What's up, everybody? It is Chris Aiken from the Classic Metal Show, Aftershocks TV, and Heavy Metal Television. And I am now on Cameo. That's right. If you need a message sent to somebody, maybe it's happy birthday. Maybe it's get out of here. Hit the street. You're fired. I don't care what it is. Firing a girlfriend, firing a boyfriend, firing an employee, wishing them well. Whatever it is, I'm on Cameo. I'm here to deliver the message. I'll do it in my unique way so you can imagine it'll have some profanity in it and it'll be a little bit filthy but that's okay because that's probably what you guys want from me anyway so check me out cameo.com slash chris aiken again cameo.com slash chris aiken book me and i will deliver whatever message it is that you need delivered and it's cheap so go do it all right later Dyer's Eve Metallica right here on your classic metal show. And uh, apparently, Chris, um, former Metallica bassist Jason Newstead uh, kind of resurfaced after a while. I did see this story. I have real questions about this, but go ahead. <laughs> well, I remember, boy, what, what was it like five, maybe six years ago? He was out there doing stuff playing, you know, playing out live and, you know, he had resurfaced there for a while. And then all of a sudden the next stories you see is where did Jason Newstead go? He disappeared. Nobody's seen him. He's, he's gone. He just, you know, nobody's heard from him, you know? Yeah. And then, then now he, uh, resurfaced with a fairly, fairly lengthy interview. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, he sort of, he sort of was been MIA for a while. And then this just kind of cropped up here. Sure. So apparently he lives in Florida now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He sold his place out in Walnut Creek. Yeah. Well, I don't blame him. I mean, you know, might as well go to a free state where taxes aren't, uh, going to eat you alive. Yeah. Especially when you have that kind of money. Yeah. No shit. Uh, anyway, he did a interview with, uh, the Palm beach post, which Mm -hmm. I guess is his local uh, newspaper down there. It says, okay. Don't let the resting scowl face fool you. Former Metallica bassist Jason Newstead is funny as hell. <laughs> He's funny as hell. Now, now you, you know, or met Jason a little bit years sure. ago. Mm-hmm. You told me, uh, you, you had told a story that, uh, when he was still with Metallica, he was like, uh, grabbing up all the, um, food and stuff that was, yeah, in the he did. He did. He was, he was, um, I, I knew Jason a little bit. I mean, I, I don't want to say that we were buds or whatever, but we did know each other pretty well. And, um, and yeah, he invited me out to one of the shows and, um, it, it was the, he did, um, it was the night after the, um, whatchamacallit, the, the show at the Odeon that they did the mid afternoon concert. Okay that they did they did that and then he invited us to sound check and i've told that story about playing the drums on on metallica's stage and whatnot so i won't get into all that but um but yeah we went and we hung out and at the end of the show we were in the we were in the room and in comes jason after you know grab a shower or whatever he was doing and he has a backpack and he's just loaded up with fucking sandwiches and, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and he was he he just was like look shit's here i'm gonna eat it i'm not gonna right. i'm not gonna waste my money on on food right it's free right here yeah. it's like dude you're, you're in metallica right <laughs> uh seemingly unaware he morphs into each person he talks about hilariously adopting the body language accent and mannerisms of everyone from a buzzed ozzy osborne to his brash german and genteel japanese fans mm. and and one cannot help but laugh when Newstead describes the shock of meeting female audience members who, thanks to distance, smoke, and unworn eyeglasses, sometimes look vastly different up close after the show. <laughs> Ask that girl in the fifth row to come after, back after the show. Oh, my God. That's actually her. Jeez. Yeah. Send her back. <laughs> Send her back. 
We call it the 40 foot syndrome. He said, doubling over with laughter, strumming his, his guitar in his Jupiter studio. Newstead is upbeat, animated, candid, and no topic is off limits. Yeah. Uh, but as excited as he gets when discussing his life's passions like music or his charity work with children, there is a shadow that occasionally darkens Newstead's face. It is evident that when he talks about the insatiable internal drive that keeps him working long hours in a studio and away from his family, I don't mm. allow myself to a lot of times enjoy things. He admitted after a complaint of pause, I'm still waiting for the call. Ooh. He's waiting for the call, waiting for the call. He's yeah. beckoning the call, beckoning the call. Exactly. Um, Let's see here. Uh, the call is what motivates him. He said it is the reason he rehearses day and night, pushes himself to his limits and refuses to do anything less than the best. Now, do you think he just sits there and noodles in a studio all day? What else he got to do? Uh, well, again, I, I don't know. I just sounds kind of weird. I mean, how, how many hours a day can you, uh, dedicate to, to plunking on the base? Well, there is always Netflix. <laughs> I don't want to be caught not being able to perform like I can. He said, if it does happen to come, I don't want to let my guard down. Right. The call could be from anyone. He said he cannot really be sure uh, what it will entail until the phone rings, but he needs to be ready because it is a call that will put him back on top. See. What what call could he be waiting for? Anybody who wants to play with him, I guess. See, or, but that isn't know. true. That's not true because he had the Newstead band that was kind of an all-star band. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was a pretty good thing, and it was going well, and he just didn't want to do it. He just abandoned it. But he's been in, I mean, he was, he was in Voivod. That's a fairly big band. He was in mm -hmm. Ozzy. That's mm -hmm. a real big band. Mm -hmm. He's in Metallica. That's as big as it gets. I mean, right. what's he waiting for? The Stones? <laughs> could be i mean what what could he get that's going to be as big as what he's had i don't know I, I i can't think of what what there's nothing bigger than metallica and metal well maybe he's waiting for metallica to give him that call they're not giving him that call well i know i'm not saying they would i'm just saying maybe that's the call Maybe. I don't know. I mean, he, he kind of quit them. It's that's that KK Downing syndrome there. You quit yeah. them and then you want back. Nah, uh, not, I'm, I'm just going to say they're not going to, they're not going to call him back. They like Robert. Yeah, of course he's easy to deal with and he doesn't give him any lip. Yeah. And he probably doesn't get the biggest share, a big share like Newstead did. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, he's probably like a hired gun. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is no doubt tough to part ways from one of the most influential, enduring and lucrative acts in the hard rock history as Newstead did in 2001, when he left Metallica, he is the first to admit to the virtual impossibility of achieving a subsequent level of success that could rival that of Metallica, which oh. is what you just said, right? Uh, with which he earned six Grammy awards and was inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame. Yeah. I've already seen a whole bunch of really, really crazy stuff in this really hyper exclusive club. And I'm not sure what's going to top it. He said, but as far as the notches in the belt and the shiny part of the crown, I think that's as shiny as they're going to get. So Probably kinda, right about that. No, at this point, Newstead's career, he said the call would have to be from someone really, really special. Maybe like ZZ top Gary Clark jr. Or Joe Bonamassa. Offers from Aerosmith, Alice Cooper, and others have fallen flat. He said, although. Wait a minute. Wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop. He's willing to go out with Joe Bonamassa, but not who? Aerosmith, Alice Aerosmith? Cooper, and others. <laughs> so Aerosmith, no. But well, Joe Bonamassa, no. yes. He just said it, it fell flat, whatever that means. Well, it means he didn't take it. Well, either that, or they didn't, they, they gave him a chance and they decided they wanted somebody else. That could be, geez, that just sounds weird that he'd be wanting onto a Joe Bonamassa to go play clubs. Well, maybe he kind of like 
respects Joe Bonamoss or something. Maybe he's yeah. got that kind of like, oh, he's revered, you know. Could be. Yeah, that just seems that seems like a step backwards to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, although he was excited to guest alongside Tina Turner on an Italian pop singer, Elisa's Teach Me Again. Okay. And whatever. Still, when talking about who he would like to be with at the end of the line when the call comes, there's one band name, one band name Newstead uh, conspicuously leaves out. Okay. Uh, his departure from Metallica left behind a wake of frustration, resentment, and disappointment that spread among the band members and fans alike. More than 20 years later, stories of a contentious split ran rampant, fueled mostly by claims that Metallica never really embraced Newstead and stonewalled his creative input from the start. Today, Newstead shrugs that off, saying the real reason he quit came down to one simple thing. The, abs- the absolute is still that I would be dead if I didn't leave, he said. A permanent neck injury had left Newstead addicted to pain medication, and he said he told the band he needed a six to eight months break to rest and recuperate, and for some reason they weren't willing to do that, he said. Why that is, he said, he still doesn't know, but he did say that the stress levels were high when he joined Metallica in 1986 after bassist Cliff Burton was killed in a tour bus crash in Sweden. They were under some extreme emotional demand when they lost Cliff, Newstead said. He was their teacher. He was their main guy. He was the man. It was a big, big deal. Newstead, who was only 23 at the time, said, while taking on a new bass player was tough for Metallica, it was a massive life change for him, too. In two weeks' time, I went from landscaping, raking rocks, and picking up cactus needles in Arizona in a desert in 110 degrees heat to two weeks later, touring Japan with Metallica, he said, this is nuts for anybody. Yeah. Newstead is clear that he never wanted to quit Metallica. He is equally clear that it was a decision he does not regret. It's like a, it's like a crazy ass hollow void that will probably never be filled. He said about leaving. It was really horrible, a lonely feeling. I was like, why did you screw yourself so hard? Why did you? But I think also You wouldn't be breathing right now if you hadn't done it. Leaving Metallica, however, did not immediately solve Newstead's drug problem. He quickly joined a year-long tour with Ozzy Osbourne, who was, in hindsight, was probably not the best person to hang around for someone (laughs) trying to get off pills. Right. (laughs) At some point, I remember 77 tablets he took in one day. That would be meds, vitamins, supplements, Xanax, Vicodin, Newstead said. Folks said he must have been had Parkinson's because he was shaking. No, man, he was just vibrating. He's not sick. He's just jacked up, and that's what I stepped into. (laughs) Jesus. Newstead managed to play 62 shows in 31 days during OzFest, he said, joining his former band Voivod uh, on the smaller stage during the day before headlining with Ozzy each night. And despite Ozzy's incessant partying and Sharon Osbourne's never-ending attempts to control it, it would not have been possible to have worked with a more enthusiastic or dedicated musician, Newstead said. Hmm. He got his gear on two hours before stage time with Zeppelin jamming like, let's go, Newstead said of Ozzy rocking out pre-show in his dressing room. That was the real person, and no matter what kind of stuff they tried to subdue him with, he was still the essence of that person. So was the side of Ozzy that few ever witnessed, Newstead said. So was the side of Ozzy that few ever witnessed, Newstead said, like when Ozzy saw Newstead's chihuahua backstage sporting a pair of big sunglasses. He lost it like a child, Newstead said, laughing and mimicking Ozzy's mannerism. He's like, oh, baby, that's the genuine person. There's still this really big-hearted, animal-loving dad in there beside being the Prince of Darkness. He is that too. Okay. It would be more than a year after that before Newstead finally kicked his drug habit in 2004. He said his heart stopped after opi- overdosing on opiate, op- opiates uh, following a shoulder surgery. That was kind of the day it turned around for me, he said. From then on, I just worked on getting out of it. They build that drug so it gets into your fiber and it won't let it let its hooks loose. 
He got straight, but in the process lost some of his best friends he had ever had. He said, everything that I'd known was gone. Everybody that had taught me about life and the world, all of the crew guys, everybody was my family on the road. He said, I divorced three people in the band and then 85 to 105 family members just evaporated out of my life. Wow. <laughs> just a, just a pariah and out so in other words, he, he was surrounded by hangers ons. Yeah. They were beggars and hangers on yeah. if they were your true friends. They would have stuck with you. Yeah. They were just in it for the party and the money. Probably. That's it. The party pussy and paycheck is right. Steve would say. That's right. Thankfully, Newstead said securing a top-notch financial planner early in his career ensured he was financially flush after the split. And then, of course, there remains to this day the never-ending stream of revenue from merchandise sales with Metallica gear, bringing up worldwide sales second only to South Park. Wow. So he still gets uh, a cut of the merch sales, I guess, huh? Well, yeah. He gets that, and he, he certainly gets royalties from the Black Album. Well, sure. So yeah, that alone royalties from the black album alone is more than enough to take care of him for the rest of his life. Fucking every goddamn sporting event plays enter Sandman at least twice, a, twice a game. What, how many million of, uh, copies is that sold? It's like 42 million or some it's, shit like that. Yeah, It's some fucking ridiculous mil number of millions. How many sales does the black album? It's, it's some crazy number. Sold more than 28.3 million copies worldwide. Okay. Oof. That's a bunch. Yep. The financial comfort allows Newstead to spend more time on his art and with his bold, vibrant paintings now selling for as much as $60,000. All right. I don't get all that, but I guess if you want a famous guy to do your painting, that's, that's how that happens. Yeah, I guess. Uh, there's no formal anything to it. He said in his artistic style, it's all mixed elements. I could be, it could be anything at any time. And every, every one of them tells a story. And then there's Jason Newstead and the chop house band, a passion project from, uh, with members who donate a hundred percent of their proceeds to arts and music charities for un, un, underserved youth. Okay. And it's to put guitars and paintbrushes in kids' hands, he said. That's the whole goal. Celebrating 30 years in 2022, the Chop House Band is a far cry from the head-banging rock that defined Newstead's time with Metallica and Ozzy. His song, Bible Today, he said, is composed of music from his heroes such as Neil Young, Tom Waits, Bob Seger, and his go-to favorite, The Man in Black. It's Johnny Cash's uh, with long, sharp teeth, Newstead said, making little fangs with his fingers. Ooh, hilarious. <laughs> he is hilarious. The music, which Newstead calls right close to his bluegrass, all the way to some pretty scary metal stuff and everything in between, is also a far cry from the good time rock music of Van Halen, which Newstead came within an inch of joining six months ago. Alex Van Halen had already tapped Joe Satriani to replace Eddie Van Halen, Newstead said, and the two were searching for a bass player for a possible Van Halen tour. But he doesn't mention who he'd want to play, be the vocalist. You think David Lee Roth? No. I didn't think so, I mean, because it doesn't mention anything. Well, about Roth it. said he's done. I know. No, it would be Sammy. And, and this is why, why this story doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. If you're going to bring Sammy back and you're going to bring Satriani back, why don't you bring in, in uh, why don't you bring in, um, uh, Mike, Mike, Mike Landry, Landry, who's yeah. already in a band with those two guys, right? This isn't so much Van Halen as much as it is what chicken foot or whatever band that is. is that what that band is with Satriani chicken foot, chicken or, foot or the circle or one of the, it's not the circle. The circle is, um, Vic Johnson. Cause I All saw right. the circle so, so it's chicken foot. Yeah. So it's just chicken foot with Alex Van Halen instead of Jason Bonham, <laughs> which to me is a downgrade. Yeah. Is that a, would you call that a downgrade to go from uh, Jason Bonham to Alex Van Halen? No, uh, from, from, you know, talent wise or style wise, all your, you're, you're swapping out one name for another name. 
Yeah, I think ticket wise, it's probably better, but talent wise, it's definitely not better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. I mean, I don't think anybody's gonna lie. You would, you couldn't call it Van Halen. You got to call it a tribute to Van Halen. Yeah, of course. Because if you call it Van Halen, people are gonna fucking lose their goddamn minds over that. Right. Right. Starting with Wolfie and fucking Valerie Bernelli, probably. Sure. Well, Alex is part of Van Halen. Yeah. But I mean, I guess he could use the name if he wanted to. I mean, I'm you sure. know, obviously that, that would be a, a, you know, a sacrilege to do that, but yeah. it doesn't make a lot of sense to go out and call something Van Halen when you've got two different Van Halen bass players <laughs> that are out there alive and actually playing. Yeah. You know, I mean, that are active players still, and you're going to bring in somebody else. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that sounds, that sounds like Alex might've just made a phone call and said, Hey, you know, we might put Van Halen back together. Yeah, maybe we'll, but, maybe we'll give you a call. No, yeah, or maybe, well, he said he actually went out there and played with them. Okay. Well, that could have just been a jam. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not so sold on this. Yeah. Uh, Newstead said he agreed to go to California to jam with the guys and see if it felt right. But in his heart of hearts thought it would be impossible to, to do justice to the Van Halen legacy. How could you? He said, there's nobody that can top it. So how do you show it, show it honor? I didn't want it to be viewed as a money grab. And then it just all kind of fizzled out. Yeah. And it would be seen as a money grab. Mm -hmm. Uh, Newstead keeps plenty busy with the chop house band. He said so much so that he does not participate participate on social media which he calls a time suck he's right on that <laughs> on the list of things he does not like about social media is that it's uh, led young musicians to have a distorted view of what it takes to reach the highest echelon of success and perhaps most importantly he said it has robbed them of a sense of joy and accomplishment garnered from achieving greatness uh one show at a time in front of a live audience you need to get your hands dirty. You need to break some strings. You need to fall down a couple of times. You need to get a skin knee. You need to get a chipped tooth, real world, breathing the air, sweating, getting sweat in your eyes and have it burn. I want people to feel the visceral, not the facade of the thing really to do it, grab it up and not be afraid to go down. I want them to feel what I felt, what I chase every day. And so he practices every day, day in, day out, chasing that feeling, waiting for the call. <laughs> mm, all right. Uh, then in the moment of raw vulnerability, when asked point blank, if he would go back, if the call came from Metallica, Newstead responded without hesitation. Absolutely, man. I was all the way committed to that. I could not have been more devoted to that band. It's not possible. How long do you think it would take him before he'd be unhappy in that band though? Mm, half a dozen gigs. Yeah. I was going to say, I was going to say, I, I don't see Jason Newstead being happy with the okay friends. Yes. Let's bring up the nine-year-old on stage with us. I can't see him happy with that. Yeah. He'd be like, what the hell? I'm trying to murder the crowd. Right. Although who knows? I mean, who knows? He's older too. Sure. You know, he's older too. And I mean, you've ever heard any of this chop house music it's not that it's bad or anything but it certainly ain't aggressive right you know it's it's very kind of mellow so mm, well that's know. what it's well that's what you're saying it's kind of johnny cash kind of yeah seeger kind of you know that kind of stuff uh, maybe he'd be all in for the friend talica that, that we mm. have today well maybe mm. i mean he does he does do the charity causes for children and yeah. all so Okay, okay, family, Metallica family, welcome back, brother Jason. Exactly. <laughs> it would sell tickets, though. Uh, well, I would imagine. The question, though, is Metallica doesn't need that. They no. still sell out every show they fucking play, so they don't need the Jason push now. Don't no, wait till I, mean, they I mean, it's not a matter of need at all for for either one of them. I would not think. No, not at all. But but why waste it? If, if Jason is saying right now that he wants to do it, why would Metallica waste that right now? They'll wait till their fucking sales start to dip a little bit. And then they'll be like, oh, it's the return of and mm -hmm. get the cheap pop for the tickets. At least one tour that would be sold. Right. Yeah. They'll wait. 
Mm-hmm. Well, good luck to him, man. I I hope he I hope he gets that call from the Who or whatever. <laughs> the Who needs a bassist, don't they? Um. Well, they, they, I mean, they don't. I I know they have a touring guy with them. That's what I mean, Jason yeah. Newstead in yeah. the Who. Sure, he won't get fooled again, as they say. That would be weird, wouldn't it, to see one of them bands from the from the earliest of rock and roll and Jason Newstead up there in a suit or something playing? Yeah, yeah. that would seem odd to me. Well, he, you know, again, he's got the apparently at least if you believe, you know, that he's set financially and stuff, he has the luxury of being able to just go pick and choose and go, yeah, that'd be fun for me for a tour or something. You know? Yeah, I definitely think he's set financially. I mean. He's got to have, he's got to be worth 20, 30 million dollars. Got to be. I would imagine. The, the, can you look that up if that's, you know, not that anybody can do any. But what, what do they fit? What does the interweb say his net worth is? This says $500,000. I'm going to fucking scream. 60 million. 60 million. Yeah. So pff, he ain't hurting. All right. I mean, even if it's half that, like you said, 30 million, he ain't hurting. (laughs) He ain't hurting unless he's on the verge of a divorce. And even then he's probably not hurting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, uh, on, on another front here, Mm -hmm. Kurt Cobain, who's been, who's been dead almost 30 years already, believe it or not. I know. Crazy. Yeah. What was that? 94, right? 94. Yeah. Yeah. So almost 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. seems like yesterday. It's weird. Yeah, it was a good day. I mean, that was terrible. <laughs> Kurt Cobain's iconic blue guitar from Nirvana's 1991 hit single smells like teen spirit video is expected to raise 800,000 at an auction in May. Wow. That's Kurt cool. Cobain's uh, blue guitar that he played in Nirvana's 1991 uh, smells like teen spirit music videos expected to raise uh, 80. 800,000 in an auction next month with the footage racking up more than 1.4 billion views on YouTube. 1.4 billion views. That's a lot. Yes. The 1969 left-handed Fender Mustang is arguably one of the most famous instruments in rock. According to Martin Nolan, the executive director of Julian's auctions. This is one of the most iconic guitars ever to come to the auction block. This is the blue Mustang Fender guitar. One of Kurt Cobain's favorite guitars of all time. Uh, Nolan said while standing beside the display of the late rockers memorabilia at the showroom in Beverly Hills, the, the, the guitar comes with its original case and also the guitar strap. So that's really, really important to collectors when they come to the auction to know of the originality. Um, he noted that the guitar had stayed with the family since Cobain's death in 1994. Okay. The Cobain guitar is the star lot in the auctions house music icons auction taking place in New York and online from uh, May 20th to the 22nd. Nolan said the auction house has, uh, conservatively estimated a price range of uh, 600,000 to 800,000, but noted that the very conservative auction, that's a very conservative auction estimate. Wow. So they're thinking re- realistically a million, million it could two be a, could be a million bucks. Wow. The auction house said a portion of the proceeds will go to kicking the stigma, a mental health charity foundation by Jim. I, I would have bought it. Whoever, whoever. Ursay, Ursay from the uh, Indiana Indianapolis Colts. Oh, the owner of the Colts. Yeah, yeah. The auction also features uh, other items, including the original Kurt Cobain artwork of Michael Jackson that is expected to fetch up to forty thousand dollars, and one of his cars, a nineteen sixty five Dodge Dart, expected to fetch between four hundred thousand and six hundred thousand. Four hundred thousand dollars for a Dodge Dart. Yeah, sixty five Dodge Dart. Why? Because it was Michael Jackson's? No, no, no. This is this is uh still Kurt Cobain's. Oh, you got to be kidding me! He drew a picture of Kurt Cobain did some artwork. He drew a picture of Michael Jackson. Oh, and 
and his car, Kurt Cobain's car is also up for auction. But it's a 65 dart. Yeah. What was he doing? Driving a 65 dart. Well, you know, he had to downplay that image, you know, like he's like a poor musician driving well, a shitty car and that's certainly doing the job a 65 dart. That's horrendous. <laughs> yep. In May of 2021, six strands of Cobain's long blonde hair sold for a whopping $14,145 in an auction for his hair. Yeah. Six strands. Wow. Six strands of Cobain's long blonde hair. People will buy anything, won't they? Yeah, they will. According Jeez. to the auction house, his longest strand is only about two and a half inches, which is pretty wild considering each strand sold for $2,357 and 50 cents a piece. <laughs> wow. Here's some Kurt Cobain hair. We dug it out of the uh, bathtub drain. You think if I cut a little of my hair off, I could get even like 50 bucks, maybe? Maybe 50 bucks. I'd be willing to sell, I don't know, this much. Yeah, here's a strand of hair. Well, if I gave him what, this much right here, that's like worth 2000 in Cobainism. So that's got to be worth 50, 60, doesn't it? <laughs> Jesus. The hairs are preserved and kept together inside of a plastic, which is about the size of a coaster. Well, if anybody wants to buy a little lock of my hair, I will take a Ziploc bag and an iron and I'll stamp it down so that it's preserved. Right. According to the listing, the strands came at a very interesting time as they were cut just four months after the release of Nirvana's first album, Bleach, and years before they came to the biggest rock band in the world. Now, who, who held on to this? Probably some barber. <laughs> well, I mean, but, but this was before they became famous so so why would somebody cut keep the hair and put it in a baggie and go this is going to be worth something someday yeah and how do you prove any of this yeah i know how do you prove that this isn't just some fucking guy's hair you know is there like a dna report or something i, I don't know but that that's really weird that why why would somebody cut your hair and then like keep it yeah, that is a little creepy. And six strands. Why six strands? Well, maybe they're keeping the rest for their own fucking retirement. I guess that's bizarre, man. Yeah, according to the listing, the strands came at a very interesting time as they were cut just four months after the release of Nirvana's first album, Bleach, and years before they became the biggest rock band in the world. The locks uh, came from his friend and early confidant, Tessa Osborne, who cut his hair in Birmingham, England, back on October 29th of 1989. Before, before that, Cobain's acoustic guitar from Nirvana's iconic 1993 MTV Unplugged in New York performance sold for a record-breaking... Drum roll. Got a number? 500,000. Mm. Record way low, way, two million, way low, way low on two million, way low, ten million, and not quite. You got to be eight million, six million. Fuck that, fuck that. That's six, fucking stupid. Six million dollars. This guy was not even a good guitar player. I like Nirvana. Don't get me wrong. I'm a Nirvana fan, mm -hmm. but this guy was not. A good guitar player. It, it's it's literally worth that just because he fucking bulleted himself. I guess that's the only reason. Because yeah. if if we're going by this logic, how much is a dime bag guitar worth? Yeah, really. Two hundred million. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here with this, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, the 1959 Martin uh, D18E with which was often out of tune was expected to fetch between 1 million and 2 million during the online music icon sale hosted by Julian's auctions, but it ended up breaking the record for the most expensive guitar. That is ridiculous. Yeah. The lot came with the guitar case, the smells like teen spirit groups, late front man used, which was a poster of poison ideas, album feel and darkness on it, which Walston's, 
whilst inside is a bunch of guitar strings, picks, and a stash bag. Okay. Uh, Kurt married Courtney Love of Whole Fame in 1992. Together, they had a daughter, Frances Bean, who is now 27 years old. Good for her. So there you are. Well, how about that? Jesus, that's just sad. That is just sad that somebody is going to put fucking that kind of money in Courtney Love's pocket. <laughs> yeah, six six million dollars for that guitar. That doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, the guitar that he used on the MTV unplugged is 6 million, but they're only expecting the iconic smells like teen spirit to fetch 800,000. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's the one that has been seen a whole lot more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. I don't know. That whole story sucks. How much is an Eddie Van Halen used guitar worth at this point? Well, I imagine if, if it was the original Frankenstein, yeah, I that mean, would, be, that would probably go for 10 to 20 million. Would you think? Well, I don't know. After that one went for 6 million, I'm thinking Elon Musk could be making decisions <laughs> between Twitter and Eddie's guitar at this point. Exactly. It's fucking Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. Well, if it's like I said, if it's, if it's actually the original Frankenstein. Oh my God. That's gotta be worth a billion with a B. Yeah. That's got, I mean, serious number. That's gotta, if, if Kurt Cobain's guitar is worth six, Eddie Van Halen's original has to be worth at least 20, mm -hmm. at least. That's what I said. 10 to 20, 10, wow. 10 to 20 million, man. Oh man. That Wolfie. Why is he even trying to make music? <laughs> Just sell dad's junk. Right. Well, I, I doubt Wolfie's out there touring and playing music because he needs money. Well, that's true too, but man, I'm sure he does it just because it's like, well, I'm a kid. I got the Van Halen, uh, legacy. What am I, what am I going to do? I don't, I don't have to work. Yeah, true. So he just goes out there and does it. I mean, he makes good music, but man, I think I'd be fucking, I'd have EVH one. EVH fifty one fifty would be my eBay name, and I'd be selling all of Dad's junk out of the closet. Here's a here's a here's a concert worn sock, right. six grand. Sure. Jeez, oh man. <laughs> I don't know. There you are. That is some that is some crazy numbers that people. What? I just don't understand. Maybe it's just again, it's us being jaded, but I don't understand memorabilia. Well. I, I like memorabilia. I, I do obviously, I mean, you, you've seen some of my stuff. I, I yeah. do like memorabilia, but I'm not willing to pay hundreds and thousands of dollars for it. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what I'm saying is, is to, to risk, you know, a lifetime of money to own a Cobain guitar or, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, a DO microphone or well, it's like, it's like the guys who collect sports memorabilia. This was Babe Ruth's bat. Yeah. You know, or this was, you know, uh, I don't know uh, who, who was the, who was the big uh, hockey hero up in Canada. Gretzky. Um, Gretzky. Well, Gretzky. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah here's, yeah. Here's Gretzky's hockey stick. Yeah. You know, something like that. It, this is the original. This is the one that he won the, the, you know, the Stanley, Stanley Cup, Cup. The, the final, the final shot in the Stanley Cup in 1986 or some shit like right. that. Yeah, I just can't see it. I mean, it's it's, and, and maybe it's just in our world. And I mean, what would you pay for? I don't know a fucking Alex Skolnick guitar pick. I wouldn't pay a dollar. I wouldn't either. And I like Testament. I love Testament. Sure but I wouldn't pay a dollar for that. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm looking around here on the, on the walls and stuff, all the memorabilia that I have here is personal to me because I sure. got it myself, mm -hmm. you know? So, so I, you know, I don't, I've never went out and purchased memorabilia from, yeah. from somebody, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think I have either. I'm looking around my room here. I don't, the only thing that you purchased was a Zeppelin ticket. Yeah. And even that wasn't that expensive. 
Well, it's not that it was expensive, but it is memorabilia that you purchased. Yeah. It's the only thing I've ever spent money on. And it's like, yeah. Now, if I could sell it, I would. You <laughs> probably could. I, I don't know what it's I, worth. Yeah, it, I probably could. Can, can, I, you, can you look that up? See if, if there's any value on that. I can try to. Let's see. I think I looked once. It wasn't worth shit because there was like well, 40,000 of them. Well, of course. I mean, it was a whole a, a stadium arena, um, you know, worth of tickets available out there. Canceled. But, but once they're already all bought up and stuff and, and people, you know, are hanging on to them, then, then the value goes up a little bit. Yeah. Um, thousand bucks. And what did you pay? hundred. Yeah. So there you go. So it's gone up 10 times. Yeah. Thousand bucks. Guess if I ever need rent money, <laughs> if I ever need rent money, that motherfucker's going right to eBay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I needs to eat. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, dude. All the shit that I do have that I know is like not replaceable stuff, mm -hmm. you know, like the dime bag autographs and stuff like that. Sure. The only thing that goes through my mind is, man, if I ever need money, this shit is gone. Well, that's, you know, I, I know, I know people that, uh, you know, uh, they collected stuff. Let, let's just say like pocket watches or something. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they, they actually, you know, they had to part with it because they needed the money. Right. It's like, yeah, I've been collecting these pocket watches for 30 years or whatever. And, you know, I'm kind of on having a down, you know, hard times. So I got to part with it. Sure. I know. I, I thought when I was, when I was at my brokest, when I was just about to lose my house, like early on in the Econ IT days, mm -hmm. I thought long and hard about selling the Babe Ruth baseball. Mm hmm. Cause I could get like a year's worth of money at that point, maybe sure. two years worth of money at that point, the way right. I was living. But I, I really thought about selling that ball and I didn't, but I think now, especially now that like my grandfather's dead and whatever, you know, and I don't really believe that he's looking down on me to see if I'm kicking care of it. I don't buy into that bullshit. Right. You know, I, I think I could sell it without any emotional emotional baggage to it but, but, but i i bet you would really shop it around to make sure you get the most bang for oh, the yeah. buck yeah i wouldn't just throw it on ebay and take oh oh somebody <laughs> did a fucking first buy or whatever on that on the ebay no no i would definitely do it through an auction house or whatever sure. and get make sure i get my 50 60 000 out of it but you know I, but yeah I, I but i wouldn't have for me now I'd be just as good at just taking a picture of it, like me holding it. Mm -hmm. Say, okay, I had it at one time. Good enough. Yeah. That's good enough. I don't need I don't need it sitting in a closet somewhere or in a safe deposit box in a fucking bank. How is that special to me? It's not. You know how it's special to me? Because once a year I gotta pay another fucking hundred bucks to keep it in the box. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I mean, I get it. I mean, different things mean different things to different people, you know. Yeah. I mean, like I, I shared, you know, the, the photos with you this week because, uh, this, this past, uh, what is today? Today's the 16th. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, Thursday, Thursday was, uh, 33. Yeah. 33 years ago that Robbie Knievel jumped the fountains right. at Caesar's palace, you know, and of course right. I was there and, you know, uh, got the shirt and the autographs and, you know, medieval and Robbie and stuff. So to me, Sure. That's, that's a, that's a special collector for me, mm -hmm. but it's not worth anything to anybody else. Yeah. Well, because you were there. I was there. And the thing is, is it, it, you know, the autographs have my name on them, you know, mm -hmm. they were, they were autographed to me, but I got the, you know, I got the Robbie Knievel shirt that they were selling and I've got the proclamation that, uh, Caesar's palace re released and all that other stuff, you know, I got all that stuff framed and everything. So sure. You know, that's, that's collectible stuff that, that I would hold on to, but it's not like I could turn around and sell that on eBay or something because sure. it's just like, a, what that's not worth it, that worth anything to anyone. Right. I know a year or two ago, I had a bug up my ass to get the original poster for day on the green. 
Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a little longer than that now, but whatever it was, it's in the last couple of years that I wanted this poster. Mm -hmm. And I went and I looked around and there was a couple of them on eBay and they were expensive. They were like three, four hundred dollars a you know for this poster. Cause it is a it's a you know, even the Metallica guys look at it as like a landmark show for them. Mm -hmm. So it's 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 like this landmark thing. And then I found a guy selling them for 10 bucks for knockoffs. And I was just as fine as could be just to get the knockoff. I was like, fuck. Did you get it? Yeah. It sits up on my wall, right, right there by the front door okay. is, it, is the, there's a poster in, in a frame right. of the day on the green. It's the same exact poster. Yeah. It's just a, it's just a reprint. That's all. Yeah, except it wasn't hanging up at Oakland stadium. It was right. just something that some guy fucking ran off a printer or something. <laughs> fine me. I don't care. It still looks the same. Yeah, but it's it's for you personally being yeah. that you attended that show, it, it brings back memories. That, that that's the see that it doesn't matter if it's the real thing or not. It's yeah. just the thing that it just kind of commemorates a thing that you did and was memorable mm -hmm. to you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's certainly I would have been disappointed in myself if I'd have spent two or three hundred dollars on something that I could have got the exact same <laughs> the same feeling out of for ten bucks. Right. It's like fuck. You know, am I going to feel more special about it that some other guy tore it off the wall at fucking Oakland stadium 30 years ago? Not really. Right. You know, I got one. It looks, looks the same. People still say, Oh, what's that about? Oh, I was there. You know, yeah, yeah. I can still tell the story. So I don't give a shit. Yeah. It was, it was, it was one of my favorite shows to ever attend or one of the mm -hmm. most memorable shows I ever attended, you know? Yeah, that's it. And, and I mean, most of the posters and stuff that I have up on, up in my house, like the. I have a Metallica poster, you know, another Metallica show. That's another knockoff, it, but it was a show I was at. It was the the horrible Metallica show I went to at Blossom with um, Days of the New and um, Jerry Cantrell. Right. But there was somebody selling knockoffs of it for 10 bucks. So I bought, mm -hmm. I bought one of those, put it in a frame. It's up on my wall. Um, you know, I, I just put that kind of shit shit that I, I actually went to. I have a poster of the um, Roger Waters, the wall show that I went to. Okay. Again, not the original, just a knockoff. I'm fine with knockoffs. It's, it's all good to me. Right. Cause to me, it's all about when somebody comes to the house, I can tell the story. Sure. You know, the stuff that I, all, all of my memorabilia stuff that I have on the walls are like, I have the um, Sepultura Quattro record on, on the wall because they, they sent it to me for thanking me for doing the interview with them last year or whatever. They sent me an actual signed CD to me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, us getting credited in Piercy's last album. The, yeah. I, I put that in a frame and I put it up, you know, just because he's fucking Stephen Piercy and he's thanking yeah. me like I mean something. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, so and we, got, we got thanked in a couple docking records. Yeah. And I have, I have, um, which, what was it? Broken bones. Bro I think broken bones, I think. And we're in lightning strikes, lightning strikes as well. again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah I, I think I have broken bones up on the wall too, where we were thanked on that one too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if, if it's got a personal meaning like that, you know, I will, I will kind of tributize it, I guess, but yeah. I mean, you know. I mean, it's, it's personal to you, Yeah, which is, which is the point I was making. Cause I'm looking around at the stuff hanging here in the studio and everything in here is personal to me. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like, I have, um, I have in a, in a frame, I have a screenshot. <laughs> this is so lame, but it's still cool to me. I have a screenshot of my credit in um maynard from tools book he he credited yeah, a review that. that i wrote yeah i remember that well i put that in a frame but i still don't own the book because i really don't care you know i don't i don't want to read a book about maynard james keener <laughs> nor do i want to spend 35 bucks just because it has my name in it sure it's not that important to me but somebody sent me the screenshot somebody that did buy it and i put that in a frame mm -hmm. so, well there it is i i got quoted in the guy from tools book that's right. that's a cool that's cool not cool enough to spend money on but it's cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's 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 pretty good oh yeah we're we're also in the uh one of the benedictum releases sure we're we're credited in, in one of those yeah. one of those uh discs yeah dude how many how many different iterations of the metal generation book did we get credits yeah. in yeah we did that mr he Kleck. Yeah, he put out he put it out five different ways and thanked us in every single one of them. <laughs> and and were mentioned in there. 
Yeah, yeah, wrote about us. Where, and I don't where, even I don't even have that on the wall, but it is up there on the shelf. I do yeah, have I, it. I, I have mine over here on a table right here. Yeah. It it's cool in that, but I don't keep I don't know about you, but I don't keep everything that that we're mentioned in. Mm -hmm. Like I, you know, again, uh, you know, I've I've obviously been a writer and whatnot, so I had a million articles. I didn't keep I I tried to keep all that shit for like one year. And then after that, I was like, man, who cares? My name, big deal. Somebody printed my name. Gives yeah. a shit. Yeah, it's a nice little tribute. Yeah. I don't even, dude, you probably have more music's bottom lines than I do. Yeah. I thought, I thought you had gotten all those music bottom lines. I have a bunch. I have probably 50, mm -hmm. but I know there was more than 50 that, that we did, that I did. Cause right. I did it for, I think seven years. Mm -hmm. So well, that's, that's 12 times, 12 times seven, right? Well, 12 times five and 24 times two. Cause the last two years I was doing it every two weeks. Okay. So whatever that'd be just roughly a hundred, I guess, hundred mm -hmm. or so episodes. So mm -hmm. I have about half <laughs> and that's something I spent money to make. Yeah. I, I got a, I got a bunch of them in a box in the garage. I think. Yeah. You probably, I'm telling you, you probably have more than I do. Yeah. I kept the ones that sort of meant something to me, I guess. Those are the ones I actually care about. Like I have the first one on the wall over there, right next to the poster that who made that poster? The for the first CMS night out. Oh, that was music's I, bottom line. And uh, I think and, I think Andy made that for me. Okay, because I have that poster on the yeah, wall. And I got that all signed and autographed for you too. Yeah, it's all signed. It's on the wall. Because mine is hanging up on the wall over here, too. Sure. That was part of the liquor and sticker tour or whatever, wasn't it? No liquor no, and poker that, tour. No, that didn't have anything to do with that at all. I know ashes to ashes played it. I remember that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we got music's bottom line logo in the poster. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I have that I have, I know I have the interview that I did with, um, Peter Chris. I have that one because that one that's probably the most famous interview that I've ever done because MTV MTV grabbed the audio and ran it, mm -hmm. you know, on MTV and Rolling Stone ran it. And, um, so I have that, I do have the copy of, I have, I was in Rolling Stone twice and I, I have both of those. I have the, the Peter Chris one and I have the Tupac one, you know, so I I've kept a couple of those things that are cool, mm -hmm. but every stupid thing that I'm in no. I just, you know, if I kept every CD that I was ever thanked in, I'd, I'd have 50 times more CDs than I do now. Yeah. Cause every local band in Cleveland for 10 years was thanking me, even if they didn't know me <laughs> so that right. I would say, Oh, cool. Let me play this on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I have a spin magazine. Okay. With, with, where there's a, there's a mention in there. I, I think they were doing a, um, I'm trying to remember what, what it was. Was it 35th? I'm trying to remember if it was like the 35th anniversary of the band Chicago being together. Okay. And, and there was a congratulations from me to the band for 35 years or some shit. Right. So I have that, that, you know, put away somewhere. Cool. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's always nice to get that stuff. But do you keep everything? Like you probably keep everything. I I do. I I don't have everything displayed. I got a lot of stuff and I'll tell you what I have a lot of. And I got a lot of autographed ones is I have a lot of Remember years ago when going to concerts was cool and they actually sold a tour program? Oh yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I got a ton of those. Really? Yeah. The just really nice, you know, and they were really nice. You know, they, they were, were heavy duty stock and they had good glossy pictures in it. And sure, you know, I, I've got a lot of tour programs. Wow. See, I, I, probably, I always, I, I could probably, never I probably have a stack of tour programs like that. No shit. Wow. Yeah. I could never buy those because I was always in the mosh pit. <laughs> so it's like, they're just going to get destroyed. And I never went with like, you know, I never went with like, obviously I never went with my ex cause she hated that fucking shit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I couldn't go with her where I could say, here, hold this while I go fucking kill people in the mosh pit, <laughs> you know? So I always went with other buddies that, right. that, that went, so I had nobody to hold the shit. So I never bought it. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I just, I, I got a, I got a, a ton of concert t-shirts 
and I got right. a ton of those tour programs and, and I, I probably, and I am pretty sure I probably have every ticket stub I ever had. Oh, wow. I, I have this Zeppelin ticket. <laughs> <laughs> I literally have hundreds of ticket stubs. <laughs> Dude, I don't even have my my backstage passes for most of the shit. I do. There, I got them hanging right here on the wall. I have a few on the wall over there. I I probably over there on the other side there. Let me see. One, two. There's like nine. Mm -hmm. There's nine of them that are like stuck up on the walls, and none of them have any. There's only one that has any real meaning. I'm looking at them all right now. The only one that has any real meaning to me, well, two. The um, bad company one that was the uh, backstage pass for that wedding. Oh, where yeah. They were the, the wedding DTE, band. The DTE Energy Center in Detroit. Yeah. yeah, where they were the wedding band. That one and the Hall and Oates one, where oh, I yeah. was hanging with <laughs> with John Oates getting hammered on eight on an eight hundred dollar bottle of wine. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that was a fun night. That was a fun night. Fucking oh, I'm sure. Hall and Oates. I mean that that there were. A you know, they're a legendary band, I guess, at this point. Oh, dude, there was nothing cooler than the fucking saxophone player saying, here, hand me that tambourine. And right. I was sitting right next to where his gear all was. Sure. And he just kept saying, here, hand me that. I was yeah. handing him a saxophone or a, a tambourine or, you know, whatever, a clarinet or whatever he was fucking playing. It was cool as shit. <laughs> that reminds me uh, a few weeks ago when, uh, when I was out at the Dawkins show and Sal mm -hmm. went with me, mm -hmm. uh, Don, the, Don gets a lot of his stage, uh, clothes and stuff made at a special leather shop in, in, uh, LA called La Riga. Okay. And I mean, it's, it's expensive. Sure. You know, it costs a lot of money to custom make these leather clothes and things that they make. And they make, uh, they make the stage gear or stage clothes for, um, Steven Tyler and, and Rob Halford and, Okay. You know, they, they got a bunch of clients that they do their sure. stuff with. Well, Don had a jacket made for uh, John. Okay. As a gift. Sure. It's, it's a very unique jacket, very cool stage jacket, leather. You know, it's, it's got st some studs on it, some designs in it and stuff. It was, it was pretty expensive jacket. Okay. Anyway. We made Sal in charge of watching John's jacket when he took it off after the, about the third song. Nice. We were just kind of, we were me and Taylor. We're just ribbon Sal. We're just like, don't you take your eyes off that jacket. Cause <laughs> like now about the third song, I'm going to take my jacket off. If you, if I give it to you, make sure it doesn't get anywhere. Right. Cause somebody had swiped that in a second, you know? Sure. <laughs> but uh, so Sal's standing on the side of the stage holding this thing like it was going to get away from him, you know. We're <laughs> <laughs> fucking with him. Keep your eyes on that jacket, Sal. Don't yeah, let. Where's, don't you take your eyes off of that for a minute? Hey, where's that coat? Aren't you watching it, <laughs> <laughs> dude? That reminds me when um when I think it was Don. I don't remember if it was me, you, or Don, but one of us told john and scotty at that van halen show that they could act as doc in stage management yeah yeah <laughs> and they went up and were shooing bands off the stage so yeah, 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 they were going, we gotta clear the area we gotta clear the area <laughs> like they were in charge and people listened to them and they did they <laughs> and they weren't in charge of shit we literally set them up here go do this yeah that was funny <laughs> they did okay your time is up get off the stage that <laughs> uh, was a good one yep hilarious mm. all right man well i say we take a break all and right. then we'll get into our third segment which uh, will be released uh for the membership only people that's right the locals and community you can, you can see it and hear it live now but if you catch the show later you're, you're fucked not, you're not gonna get it and supposedly right. it's gonna be a goodie well, it's going to be interesting to say the least. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> All right. I'll let you pick a tune. What, what would you like to hear? How's about, um, how about, um, young man from thunder thunder young man, huh? Yeah. It's from their latest release. All the right moves. Yeah. There, that's, 
um that's uh um the band that um keeps you know, retiring, retiring <laughs> and just going away yeah they keep saying this is it this is it yeah, oh we're I'm, back <laughs> now we're done yeah all right well uh thunder is a is a band that chris and i both like and yep. uh you know they've been around a long time and i'm surprised that they've turned around and released another record didn't they just release a record a year ago i think so yeah but yeah, they're back so i know get another new song or new record so they're yep. they're they're a working machine yeah pretty good for a retired band yeah no kidding all right this is it we're not we're not performing anymore <laughs> All right. All right. Well, uh, here it is. It's Thunder with Young Man exclusively here on your classic. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Classic Metal Show. Get all of our episodes uncensored at www.theclassicmetalshow.com. Join us weekly from 9 p.m. till 3 a.m. Eastern at www.cmsradio.net. Participate in the live chat room at www.chatandkill.com. Once again, thank you for checking out the Classic Metal Show with Neely and Chris. Hail and kill, fuck you, pal, and hand job! Budget Pet Care is the leading online supplier of pet health care products that provide branded health care products throughout the United States. They provide quality brand name pet supplies for flea and tick treatments, dewormers, nutritional supplements, eye, ear, and joint care treatments for all cats and dogs, including Frontline Plus, Advantage, K9 Advantix, Capstar, and more. Go to https colon slash slash bit dot ly slash cmspnbpc and use the promo code GREEN20 to save 20% on your next order. Shop Budget Pet Care today.